it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's ebook for free at stockmarketpdf.com. I love this podcast because it crushes your dreams of getting rich quick. They actually got me into reading stats for anything. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern. Step-by-step premium investing guidance for beginners. Your path to financial freedom starts now. Starts now. All right, folks, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. Today, we have episode 283. Today, we're going to go back to the basics of building a portfolio. So this is not something we've talked a whole lot about. And so we thought maybe we would maybe help give people some guidance on how they could start building a portfolio. Let's say that you're starting from scratch. How do you start? So, Andrew, without any further ado, how do you start? Yeah, great question. Let's just dive into the deep end. No getting our toes wet here. Let's just dive. No life preserver, in. just jumping yep. in, baby. Yep. We're going to dive <laughs> head first. The whole idea of a portfolio is you want to have your money diversified because crazy things happen. We have seen it all the time. We will continue to see it all the time. And even the best businesses go under. So because of that, you want to spread your money out into a lot of different investments. That's what's going to make up your portfolio. So I guess Help us visualize that. What does that tend to look like? I know it could be a really broad spectrum. So maybe try to narrow that part down. What do you yes. mean when we say diversify and build? What does a portfolio construction look like? Well, I think maybe to back up, back up, the first thing you want to decide is what kind of investor do you want to be? Because that's going to go a long ways towards deciding how you want to build the portfolio. So for example, if you want to be a stock picker like Andrew and I, then you need to consider the the different individual kind of companies that you want to put in your portfolio, making sure that you try to have as much diversification as you can have. And when we talk about diversification, we basically mean don't have all your eggs in one basket like Dave did (laughs) and don't put all your stuff in payments 
have other things besides payments in your portfolio because that will help the you know avert any sort of downturns that happen in the sectors different sectors which can happen from time to time and so by having a diversification in other words that means having your toe as many different kinds of sectors as you possibly can and let's say this rule will apply whether you are a stock picker or whether you want to stick to ETFs and index funds because you can follow the same general kind of rules if you want to have a more diversified portfolio. There are index slash ETF investors out there that like to have all the sectors filled with indexes or ETF funds as opposed to individual stocks because they want broader exposure to the whole sector as opposed to one company that may be the leader in that particular sector. So that's, I guess those are the questions you want to have asked yourself and have answered before you start building the portfolio. So I guess the first layer of the onion that you want to peel is you want to think about the different sectors that are available for you to start building the portfolio and keep in mind it's kind of like building it you know it's like eating the pizza you can't eat it all at once you're going to have most people are going to have to build it slowly because we can't find 15 to 20 great ideas in in each individual sector immediately sometimes it may take you a while to get to you know hey i'm dying to get a commodities (laughs) and it just it may take you a while to find the thing that you want in that particular sector so patience is okay at this point. So maybe since I kind of mentioned the S word, maybe we can talk a little bit about sectors and then we can kind of peel the onion from there. Sure. So when we're talking about this S word, obviously we're talking about the stock market. If you go to Visor who's doing retirement things, they might tell you to think about investing in lots of different asset classes, which would go outside of stocks and outside of sectors. So they might talk about bonds. They might talk about gold. They might talk about silver. Like a guy I met the other day when he heard I do an investing podcast, he's like, so what's your thoughts about gold and silver? I'm like, let me tell you about businesses. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we're kind of under the assumption that you've kind of plugged into our idea of building a portfolio for long-term wealth and why we think stocks are the best vehicle for that because they're made up of businesses who create cash flows. and so. An advisor might tell you something differently if you're close to retirement. But when we're talking about building a portfolio, that's why we're starting to dig and peel that onion into the sectors. Now, the sectors are laid out, You know, whether you're watching it on CNBC and you can see in the background, they've got these big heat maps with these huge squares and these little squares and these little rectangles. Those are going to be the different sectors. So I'm just going to shoot them off just so people can kind of get an idea. So... Basic materials, communication, consumer cyclical, consumer defensive, energy, financial, healthcare, industrials, real estate, technology, and utilities. Those are going to be the different sectors. And at least for the stocks in the S&P 500, every stock in there is going to be inside one of those sectors. You know, just as an example, Apple would be in technology and a pizza company like Domino's would be consumer cyclical. So... Those are kind of how the pieces fit. And I guess the debate starts or could start is do you want to fill in all the sectors or not? And I guess the easy answer is if if you do want all of the sectors, you can just buy an index fund like SPY, ticker SPY. It will buy you the S&P 500, which has those sectors in there. But you have to realize that's at the expense of 
you could have lower returns because not every sector is created equally. And some sectors like utilities over the last 20 years have not grown nearly as fast as some other sectors like technology, for example. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card worth more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. So kind of like how do you look at the whole sector game and how do you approach it when it comes to building a portfolio for somebody who would be new? Well, I think the way I would probably look at it, if I'm starting off new and I'm trying to kind of build this whole thing, the first thing is I would look at I would look at all the individual sectors and then try to find businesses inside those sectors that fall under my circle of competence, like that I understand or that I'm interested in, want to learn about and know something about. And then I would focus on those and try to try to pick and choose those and start to work up from there. And then over time, then I can decide whether I want to learn about utilities or not and consider if that's something that I want to have added to my portfolio. Or it also could be a situation where, you know, 
I really want to have exposure to this situation or to this sector, but A, I don't understand what the companies do and I don't really want to spend the time. Like, you know, learning what a utility does may not, you know, move my boat much. And so I may try to find an index fund or an ETF that covers that sector and invest in something like that to help me get some diversification. It could also be a situation where you do that to fill the gap. And then as you get more comfortable with what's going on in that sector, maybe you could learn some of the better companies in that sector and maybe replace that ETF at some point with individual companies. But if you're just starting out and that doesn't fall into your category, like commodities for me would be something I'm like, uh, no. (laughs) And so that I would probably look for maybe an index fund or an ETF to help fill that gap. If that's something I really want to, to plug in. But I think at first I would want to fill the gaps with the things that I understand and know, and then that would be my base. And then I would kind of work from there. What about you? I guess, you know, I'm a very value first kind of guy. So when I first started my portfolio, it was where can I find the best companies outside of what sector are they in? So that's kind of, I looked at it and then just trying to be cognizant of, all right, if I just bought two technology names in the last four months, maybe even if I find a value in technology, look somewhere else. Mm-hmm because those two companies in the same sector could be impacted by the same forces, which would make their profits go up and down or, you know, at the same time from the same things. So how, how did you, you know, outside of like, you know, let's say you're super interested in guitar or something, but I don't know of any musician type stocks in your portfolio. So how do you personally decide between like, I'm interested in this versus I see this as an attractive sector Does that happen early on or is that something that you do kind of later? For me, I started it kind of the way you did where I found I was trying to find value where I could find it. And then once I started to build some of those, then I started to try to branch out and see what it was that I could find to start to move away from, okay, I have a bank and I have an insurance company. I need to kind of not choose something in the financial sector. I need to try to find some value in this, you know, fish in this pond and then, you know, maybe fish in this pond again. And then maybe I could come back in the financial sector if I could find some value in that sector. But for me, once I started to get to like 15, 17 stocks in my portfolio, then it becomes more intentional about, okay, I need to either find something in these other sectors or I need to think about, you know, are these the best businesses in these particular sectors? And can I find other things to maybe add or subtract or any of those kinds of things? Not necessarily subtract, but I don't sell much. But to, I guess, look at what it is that maybe I could add on that could be a you know better value or another strong company in that particular sector. Are there sectors that you aren't in and are there reasons for that outside of you're just not interested in them? Well, right now, not to I'm throw not like a whole basket of companies under the bus or anything, but no, 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 it, you know, but it is, I think, a valid question because not all, again, not all industries are created equal, right? Right. No, they are not. Um, right now, um, I am not actively in the energy sector other than owning Berkshire Hathaway. That's not a direct, you know, investment in utilities per se. But I'm not in commodities. And that is 
not intentional. It's simply because at this point, it's not that it doesn't interest me. It's that I don't feel comfortable investing in that sector because I don't understand it. And I don't have, I haven't spent the time or put in the work to necessarily understand the oil industry or some of the mineral industry, for example, say copper, just to choose a metal. I don't know enough about the copper industry to feel comfortable that I could go out and buy one of those companies at this point. Yeah, I don't hope to. I I wonder about the investor who's new to this and wondering if they're going to lose out if they don't invest in the sector, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Because I think that that fear of missing out is really strong, especially if you're new. So whether you speak to that, that like, look, I'm personally not in commodities, speaking as Dave here. How does that how does that work with the whole fear of missing out and wanting to be in every sector kind of a thing? I think one of the things that I would do would be to look at the returns over the last 5, 10, 15, 20 years of the particular sectors. And if I see that maybe the returns in the, you know, to pick on the utility industry, let's say that they aren't that great over the last 5 to 10, 20 years, then the fear of missing out is going to dwindle quite a lot because... You know, if, if you look at the tech sector, which has done really well, obviously, then that would give you a fear of missing out because you feel like you're missing out. But if you see that you're missing out, not missing out on 2% returns, I'm just throwing, I'm just guessing here. I wouldn't feel like I'm missing out because, you know, 2% returns over 10 years is, you know, nothing to get excited about. So that would help reduce that fear for me. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I'll just straight up say I don't like utilities. It's because they don't provide the growth that I'm looking for. Right. So when I'm looking at a different sector, yeah, I am making these kind of might sound mean to the businesses that are involved or people who have investments in them. But yeah, I don't necessarily see every sector as equal. I think that's kind of harsh, but I think investing can be harsh. So mm-hmm. I think real estate is really tough right now, specifically commercial real estate. Mm-hmm. I've reduced my exposure there to one name, which is far away from the traditional commercial real estate names. And I've done that very intentionally. Well, I guess a lot of that comes with experience too. And to to kind of bring it back to building a portfolio as a beginner, I like that framework of you're not going to be able to find 20 great ideas in a single day. So it does help take time to, you know, it can take time to build up to that diversification. For me personally, it took pretty much like two years to build up to that. And if you really think about it, two years over the span of a investment life is not that much. No. So I think at a certain point, a beginner should think about fear missing out on certain sectors. Like I mm-hmm. learned the hard way with tech, but do you worry about it when you're first starting out? I would not because two years is such a small window over the grand scheme of things. If you're listening to Investing for Beginners, then you probably care about money and learning how to make a good relationship with your finances. Everyone's Talking Money is hosted by money wellness expert and certified financial planner, Shauna Game. Everyone's Talking Money focuses on relevant, inclusive, and forward-thinking conversations around money. Hear about the money topics you need to know, such as ways to train your brain to reach money goals, why you should ditch your budget and start tracking your cash, and everything you need to know about paying off student loans. Simple steps to start investing as a side hustle, ways to invest in rental real estate, how to overcome money trauma, and so much more. With over 900 episodes, there's a show for any and every money question you have. I'm a big fan of Shauna's as well. She has a relatable style and soothing voice that takes some of the stress surrounding money. 
Shauna really speaks to the listener and never ends in an episode without actionable tips. I recently listened to the episode, Stop Stressing Over Your Money, a simple budgeting solution, where she talks about her simple, easy one, two, three system for budgeting. It helped me a lot. Are you ready to learn everything about money that no one has taught you? Do yourself a favor and subscribe to Everyone's Talking Money podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, it totally is. And I think, you know, like anything else in investing, building a portfolio is going to be personal to you. And what is going to work for you may not necessarily work for your neighbor and vice versa. And I think the important thing, especially when you're first starting out, is figuring out what you can invest in that's going to allow you to sleep well at night. You know, if you're buying company A, B, and C because you think they're the next greatest thing, but you're tossing and turning every single night for, you know, months and months and months, then you got to ask yourself, is it really worth it? And is that really the best choice to start? Because the studies have shown time and time and time and time and time again that time in the market matters more than timing the market. And so, Whatever is going to allow you to be consistent and continue to invest over consistently over a long period of time is going to give you far greater returns than trying to find the perfect investment at the perfect time because that just is that's a fool's errand to try to do that. It's that's such a hard game to play. And there are so few investors that have successfully done it over a career. I don't think there are any. And that's why you don't hear people talk about, hey, this is a way to invest because it isn't. And I just saw something on Twitter today where there was somebody was showing a chart and, you know, the returns that you can get for just investing consistently vastly dwarf the ones that where you're trying to time the market, find the best stock and waiting until the right moment to buy it and and those kinds of things. The consistency is far more important than the actual execution of buying the perfect thing at the perfect time. Oh, 100%. I guess, are there any other building a portfolio kind of big picture things that investors should put some thought into. We've talked about kind of the sectors and, you know, building into some of those names. Is there anything else that springs to mind um, that investors can think of from a basics standpoint? Yeah, I guess it kind of comes back to position sizing too. Like how big do you want that particular investment to be? Yep. And you know, there's there's lots of different shades of how you can paint that too. And I think, especially when you're beginning, I think trying to have, I guess, air quote rules will help you get started. And then as you become more comfortable, then you can learn what rules you can break and what rules you can't break and what will work for you and what won't work for you. But I think you know, try, you know, obviously when you buy one company and then you buy another company, you're going to go from 100% concentration to 50%. And, you know, okay, that's, that's fine and dandy. But, you know, to achieve the, you know, the Charlie Munger, you know, level of diversification of having three or four stocks in your portfolio, that takes a lot, you know, that takes 60, 70 years worth of education, knowledge, experience, and wisdom to achieve that. And, you know, I think that's a really, really hard game to play too. It just, I think, you know, trying to find an ideal, air quote, ideal number of stocks that you want to shoot for as a target and trying to keep those within a range of each other, whether it's 2%, 5%, 4%. I mean, it's it's up to each individual, I guess, to play with the numbers and find out what's going to be best for you. But I guess the one thing that I always think about was something that Brian Feraldi said to us is that one of the things about 
portfolio concentration or how much you divide the weighting of each company, sometimes starting off small and allowing those companies to grow into a position is a great thing to do too, because that can really show that this is the great company that's grown to seven or eight and nine, 10% of your portfolio because it's performed so well. And there's something to be said for that too. So I don't know, what are your thoughts? I've been, I'm talking a lot, but I want to hear what you think about it. Yeah, I love that idea of flipping it instead of, it's really easy when you're looking at a portfolio to look at the numbers and the percentages and it starts Getting to be a spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah, like real yeah. spreadsheet. But there really are, these are investments and there are businesses that you're holding and they're going to grow at different rates. And that's very important to think about. If I could just think back to when I was a beginner, it really helped for me to have that framework to shoot for. So in case we haven't said it yet, the framework that a lot of people talk about for a beginner is to hit 20 stocks. I've heard value investors say that. I've also heard even like people who do momentum trading they call it 5% position size, but it's the same thing. Five, 20 stocks divided by, if you have 20 stocks, each of those is 5% of a size. That's like kind of the base that a lot of stock pickers start from. Now, where Dave's talking about is if you have 20 positions that are 5% each, and let's say you have Microsoft and it triples in value while the rest of your portfolio just grew only 10%, well, if Microsoft tripled, they'd be closer to 15% of your portfolio, right? right? So then you, you start to naturally get this unbalancing of your portfolio. And that's where the gray area can come in. And it's hard. It's really hard because from a numbers paper perspective, nobody wants to see your stock in Microsoft. You don't want to see those gains disappear. A lot of people want to like lock in those gains because yeah. they do disappear sometimes. Stocks do come back down after they've gone up really high. But you have to remember on the other side of that is that that's a real business under there. And if Microsoft stock has tripled, it's probably because they've grown their profits a lot. And so do you really want to reduce the best positions in your portfolio just because they've gotten to a such a big size? And then it kind of goes back to the idea, can you sleep at night? So it's it's a probably just like a never ending balancing act. Mm -hmm. And that's where it can help to actually go back to the basics and listen to basics about portfolio construction. Cause then if you can come in with a fresh mindset, you can make good decisions about your portfolio. The big thing I think for me, that's been really helpful is I'm never perfectly happy with my portfolio sizes. And I've just learned to live with that. Like it really, because you can't, once you start to make everything look perfectly portioned, like you would like, you're spending too much time micromanaging all these little things and the business world just can't be micromanaged like that when you're talking about the stock market and, and the results of a lot of different businesses. So you do just kind of have to let go that it's going to look unorganized and messy. But at the end of the day, the more you can focus on the businesses and how they are performing and then make intelligent decisions on it. So for me, you know, if Microsoft was like 60% of my portfolio, that's a different conversation. But if we're talking about it goes from 5% to 6%, come on, like don't get too crazy about it. So that's that's how I would maybe try to view it of it's just this somewhat organized mess that you just live with for however long you're an investor. All right. 
All right, folks. Well, with that, we will go ahead and wrap up the show for this week. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on your preferred podcast app if you enjoyed our little show. If you would kindly consider giving us a review, it greatly helps us. And don't forget to browse the incredible materials we've created for you at einvestingforbeginners.com. Lastly, consider growing your knowledge as an Investing for Beginners insider with insights and educational tips delivered right to your inbox for free. Sign up today. And with that, we will go ahead and sign us off. You guys go out there and invest with a margin of safety, emphasis on the safety. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time... Have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.